Welcome to this edition of Rail Group On Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. I'm William C. Vantuono, Editor-in-Chief of Railway Age. This uh, particular podcast is uh, sponsored by Cummins, and my special guest is Rajani Modiani, who is a lead account manager for the global rail team at Cummins. Rajani supports OEMs and customers exploring not only the traditional diesel market, uh, but the uh, hydrogen solutions. A little bit about uh, Rajani. She joined Cummins in 2010 as a systems integration engineer supporting the TACOM and FFM China programs and advanced engineering. In 2013, she moved to the product certification and compliance organization, leading the off-highway certification team, supporting multiple off-highway and power systems uh, business unit, or PSBU markets. In 2017, uh, Rajani joined the PSBU engineering organization as technology planner for mining and oil and gas markets. Most recently, she held dual roles as the marketing team leader of uh, Cummins's next generation of uh, HHP engines for all traditional PSBU market segments and innovation leader for industrial markets in the IDEA team, where she was responsible for managing the project portfolio for the industrial segments and partnering on innovation projects for mining, rail, oil and gas, and marine. She has an engineering degree from the Cummins College of Engineering in Pune, a master's of science in engineering from Purdue University. She's a boilermaker and an MBA from the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. And she currently lives in southern Indiana, uh, which is about, uh, I'd say about 10 or 11,000 miles from uh, her hometown. Uh, in her free time, she enjoys traveling debating business models, technology, and hiking. Wow, that, that's quite a resume, uh, Rajani, and you are one busy, uh, busy engineer. So uh, welcome to Rail Group on Air. It's a pleasure to, to have you. Thank you for having me, William. Let's talk first about the traditional diesel market opportunities. The, the Cummins product line for the, uh, lo- the rail space is the uh, QSK series. And there's a lot more than, to it than the QSK 95, which of course is deployed uh, all over the place in various mainline locomotives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Cummins diesel portfolio of products as it pertains to rail markets dates um, all the our experience dates all the way back. So we have about 80 years of experience in the rail industry. But more recently, as you very well noted, our QSK 95 liter engine, which is north of 4,000 horsepower in its power node, is one of our flagship products. But ultimately, Cummins Rail Solutions in the diesel space span all the way from the QSK 15 liter engine um, right up to the QSK 95 and all the way in between is our QSK 50, QSK 60, QST 30 products which serve different power nodes and a variety of different applications in the rail market. So whether it is passenger rail, multiple unit applications, our rail cars, or whether it's equipment that's used on the railroad for track maintenance purposes, or whether it's shunter locomotives and line haul, all of it with a variety of products to serve the need of our customers at varying power nodes and variety of applications across the board. 
over the years, as um, as you noted, one of my roles in my introduction and was um, me leading the certification group. That is where we worked with the regulators across the world, EPA, California Resources Board being the two dominant ones in United States, but across the board, and actually leading the charge for emissions and working with the regulators to design the right emissions. And a lot of the products that I just mentioned, they all have been certified uh, for US EPA tier for final standards, and sometimes even stage five with our after treatment systems. Being that this is a uh, an international audience for this podcast, we, we know, of course, that the QSK95 is deployed in the Siemens Charger primarily at Brightline in Florida, Amtrak, California. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, very successful. I think our listeners may not be as familiar with some of the de- deployments of the other, the other QSK series around the world. What are some of those those applications. I think one is the Union Pearson Express in Toronto, the airport train. Yeah, so we actually, there are so many to name here, but if you think of Indian Railways and the DMU applications in Indian Railways, we have lots of our products uh, operating there, whether it's the N14 engine, which actually I didn't even mention in my portfolio because it's one of the ones that's kind of older. But then if you think of the QSK 60 liter engine, that's operational in Indian Railways. Um, When you look at the fleets operating by various different operators across European Union, um, the QSK-19, which is a horizontal engine that's used in the rail cars. So most of our engines are configured vertically in rail applications, but some rail applications so that the space can be used really, really well are mounted horizontally in these applications. And a QSK-19 fits sort of under slung or under the bogey itself, providing more space and better packaging, so as to speak. And that's in operation in UK and some other countries in the European Union. So, Rajana, you had mentioned, uh, of course, tier four, but now tier five. And one thing is uh, uh, after treatment. Talk about that a bit. That's that's a pretty uh, useful solution for meeting those very stringent requirements, not only in the United States uh, with uh, EPA, but also uh, uh, elsewhere uh, around the world? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And I can speak to that maybe a couple of different ways. So one is when we speak of our after treatment solutions, what that enables us to do is really optimize our combustion recipe. Um, for application in various different um, uh, use cases, so as to speak, such that the performance, both in terms of the power output and the fuel economy of the operation is maximized. So what you do is you really use your combustion recipe to generate the most power you possibly can and do it in the most fuel efficient manner. And then the after treatment system comes in to take care of any additional emissions you may have generated such that as an entire system, it um, leads to tier four or even cleaner emission standards, whether it be tier four or stage five or any upcoming emission standards. What it also enables our customers to do is while they meet these increasingly stringent emission standards across the board, they can also use the same base engine platform for various different emissions levels, especially for our customers who operate globally, much like us, 
it provides them a very nice building block solution where they can have an engine by itself operating in countries which may not be at a stage five emissions level or a tier four final emissions level, but then have that same solution engineered with the after treatment system to really address this leading emission stage five uh, type emissions level. So it provides both um, ability to meet uh, emission standard, but then also do it in a way that makes sense for their business globally, whether it's operating in United States or whether it's operating in any other country in the world. Now there's uh, lots of uh, new things happening with um, um, technology. Uh, what, 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 be, what are some of the other things, again, in the traditional diesel space that, uh, that Cummins is doing in terms of uh, technology? Yeah, um, so there's, Cummins has been around for 100 years and we always are looking towards the future. So as we look at the rail market and our customers globally, uh, we all look at innovative ways to provide solutions that our customer desire, regardless of what the need is. Uh, like, like we said, right, a lot of um, customers may need diesel solutions, but then every time there is an increased metric that we all have to meet for our customers, uh, for the end users, etc., in that, in that end of war, what Cummins has started doing, and it's not just, we haven't just started it, we have done it, and we continue to do it, is develop our digital solutions around our diesel portfolio. We call it the Preventex system. And what that enables us and our customers to do is really look at how the systems are operating, whether it's the engine, the after treatment, the controls around it, do real-time prognostics and diagnostics of solutions of the issues and operations such that we can really enable very high uptimes, so very reliable operation, availability of power no matter what, and also actually help our customers schedule some of the maintenance intervals and events around their own schedule. And when you combine all of that, it provides a really incredible amount of operational benefit, not just to our direct customers, but to the end operators, no matter where you are. And what's even interesting is we can take this base uh, digital solution package that we call Preventic and customize it to our customers' needs because we realize not one a solution may not meet everyone's need, and how do we tailor that base package to really deliver what they exactly need, no more, no less, and kind of hit the nail on its head, so as to speak. So that's one big thing we've started doing in the diesel space, or we have already done in the diesel space. So Rajani, what is uh, down the road uh, in terms of uh, new diesel technology? What is Cummins working on currently? What's, what's, in the, what's coming soon? As we look towards the future, the world is moving towards decarbonization and we all are preparing to ensure we play our part in that. Um, and as you will hear maybe um, in a few minutes about hydrogen, but we do realize that there are some customers and some countries that may not be prepared for hydrogen yet, but they still need to do their part in meeting the decarbonization goals or the um, you know, sustainability goals. And Cummins is prepared to address their needs. One of the ways um, we are doing that is by having products ready for what, uh, what is known as the HVO fuel, or also generally referred to as, as renewable diesel. And Cummins is testing um, 
100% HVO, and we've been testing this for a few years now, for at least five years. And what this solution really enables us and the customers to do is reduce the particulate matter uh, emissions um, at least by 50% and also benefits um, um, in terms of CO2 because the fuel itself that is produced from um, uh, vegetable oils or animal fats is a very low carbon fuel. And so if you look at the full footprint of using HVO in an internal combustion engine um, where you use your diesel today, you can really get uh, further along in terms of meeting the sustainability goals, especially if you're not ready for hydrogen yet. And all of this happens with very minimal impact to the performance aspects of, uh, of the application itself. So that's one of the big things um, that we are getting ready for. Some of our platforms are already uh, ready for it. The others are very quickly coming online for that. The type of fuel you'll describe, uh, is it uh, accurate to call it biodiesel? Um, biodiesel is slightly different. So typically when we talk about biodiesel, which is what we um, see at gas pumps, right? You, it's generated from um, like soybean and other oils, but it's used the way the chemical composition is, and I'm not a chemist here, you mix it with diesel so that the performance of the engine itself doesn't need to be tailored much, right? But if you go to 100% biodiesel, you have to make significant changes to your combustion recipe. So that you get the same performance, etc. What HVO does, and it's a slightly different chemical composition, and a chemist or people with the chemistry major can speak to it a lot more than I can, it really enables you to be very transparent in performance with diesel. As long as you have certain robustness factors and small modifications done to the system, you can replace your diesel with um, renewable diesel and actually reduce your emissions footprint by quite a bit. Of course, there are limitations with respect to shelf life and cold uh, temperature operations, etc. Um, that we need to um, think about, but essentially it's more closer to diesel than biodiesel would be. What does HVO stand for? It's hydro-treated vegetable oil. Okay. And that's uh, not something you would uh, want to cook with, I can imagine. I don't think so, no. What, what are some of the initiatives that Cummins has specifically with uh, sustainability? And uh, a very important concept uh, tied in with that ESG or environmental and social governance. That's a really good uh, question again, William. And I think part of that, um, the response I'm going to give you was actually buried in the intro you gave uh, about me. And thank you for doing that. I really do appreciate it. You noted that I come from the Cummins College of Engineering um, for Women in Pune. And this college was established in 1991. And it's the same Cummins. And not many people know about it. And I even bring that up again as a response to your question is the ESG, the environmental and social governance part of it, which is a which is a buzzword for the last four or five years. Oh, yes. But if you really think about it, Cummins has been doing this for the last 30 years and more. I say 30 years because Cummins College of Engineering was established by Cummins, so Cummins paid for the college because they wanted to make sure women in India had equal opportunity at technical education. And this is a women's only college. And even though ESG is a buzzword in the world today, 
it's not a buzzword for comments. We've been doing it for a really long time. Case in point, myself at least. So that's just one part of the work we do on the ESG side. But Cummins actually has really concrete commitments when it comes to various environmental goals as well. We uh, recently published our Planet 2050 commitments, and we are very much on track to meet our commitments to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions from our own manufacturing operations by 2030. We are working with our customers across the board to meet their greenhouse gas emissions targets by 2030 and 2050. So that leads to our scope three uh, decarbonization or greenhouse gas um, reduction goals. In addition to that, we have um, commitments around making zero waste or uh, whether it's our manufacturing facilities, whether it's the packaging material to create a circular economy so that we use less, we reuse as much as uh, we possibly can and we waste ultimately zero. Those are the two environmental aspects. Of course, we have a lot of work on the social side of things. I just mentioned an example. We also have several initiatives that were launched um, very recently, one of those key ones being the Cummins Care Program, which was introduced in 2020. Um, and this is a, the Cummins Community Initiative. It's a strategic initiative advocating for racial equity across the board. So that those are just a few examples of the work Cummins is doing in the ESG space. We also have a very strong governance mechanism, which we drive through our board of directors and other channels. Um, our, our reportings on ESG actually put us very much industry leading uh, across our peer group when you look at the metrics that are published across the industry board. You know, uh, that's very encouraging uh, to hear uh, that the, uh, the College of Engineering in Pune is for women. So I just wanted to ask you uh, personally, what, uh, what encouraged you to become an engineer? I was raised by parents who are very much entrepreneurial, and they both really stood behind my education 100%. They both didn't go to college, but they really wanted me to succeed in life and, you know, be, be, be really awesome, achieve whatever I wanted, um, wanted myself to achieve, and they just supported it 100%. But what encouraged me to go into engineering is I saw that as a way to really make a difference by introducing products out there in the world where I can have a positive impact. I saw multiple ways to have that impact, whether it would be, you know, changing the environment or having a cool gadget that somebody can use to solve a problem or whether it would be a very nice career where I could make good money and then also help others get educated because Everything that I've achieved today is because of the education I've got. And I always want to make sure I can help people who want to get educated, who want to move forward, and I can support that by really setting an example for people who are looking for that example, or by introducing products that make a difference in the world, or by actually using what I generate for myself to help others to achieve their goals. So Cummins gave you that opportunity with a push from your parents, and you're carrying it forward. 
Yes, absolutely. I'm very grateful for that. And I, I should also mention another example. I was also a fellow of the Cummins Purdue Fellowship Program, which also Cummins sponsored because I never had plans to pursue my master's degree at Purdue, but it was the Cummins Purdue Fellowship Program that just kind of pulled me in um, into it. And, and I'm here. I moved from India to United States 14 years ago to pursue my master's. Let's get into some of the newer areas, uh, and one of them is really intriguing, and it's starting to gain some real traction uh, here in the States, uh, around the world too, uh, hydrogen power. Cummins acquired hydrogenics a few years ago, so it's not new, but um, the technology that we have acquired and the company that we have acquired, it actually has been the longest running hydrogen train in actual commercial service. So it's not a prototype. It is actual service in Germany. We uh, launched that in 20. We started working with our uh, partner, Alstom, um, who is a customer on that train in 2017 through some product development. It went into service in 2018 and we've been running um, it ever since. So we have over five years of experience an actual real world application with our hydrogen solution as it uh, pertains to the rail market. But if we go uh, even slightly, um, uh, you know, behind that before the hydrogenics acquisition, Cummins has a whole R&D team that sits in Columbus, Indiana. So Southern Indiana facility, which is where our worldwide headquarters for R&D is. And this is the facility that um, looks at innovative technologies, whether it be battery, whether it be hydrogen, whether it be alternate fuels, uh, whether it be different types of combustion recipes, one of those being the ones that you um, achieve via variable valve actuation system. So our R&D facility has looked at these kinds of technologies for a very long time uh, in that uh, R&D center. But our hydrogen solution in rail in Europe is the longest, the first ever, and the longest running one in Europe and in the world. And we have over 100,000, um, sorry, not 100, 10,000 hours of experience, real world data that we now use to inform our product decisions and um, when we look at future products as well. That is the Alstom Coradia Island. That is correct. Yep. Right. The hydrogen, yep. uh, I call it an HMU, another acronym here <laughs> to add to the vocabulary, a hydrogen multiple unit. Unit, yep. Uh, we hope to see point. something like that uh, in operation uh, in North America. I think hey, it's needed. Too. Fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So Rajani, there's a lot more going on with uh, hydrogen. Uh, you have something called... Uh, uh, an electrolyzer, and I understand that there's also some something uh, to do with uh, certification. Uh, talk about that a bit. Yeah, so um, the certification is more around the hydrogen uh, trains or the fuel cells in itself. And what what Cummins has done is our solutions that we um, that we have in the Alstom Island train that we just talked about, those have been certified to the um, railway standards in Europe, right? And every, every different country in Europe, as we go into it, 
um, go into operation, of course, they look at the demo trial and then there is a set of certification standards we have to meet. But our solution is now certified to the rail standards in Germany and some other countries in Europe. But that's just to show kind of, hey, these certifications make the solution really fit for application, whether it's from a performance standpoint, whether it's from a safety standpoint. And the island train that's been running for about four or five years now has had zero safety incidents so far, in spite of the 10,000 hour or roughly 100 and, um, 180,000 kilometers of operation. And so that's where that solution really lends itself to enable reducing emissions and carbon as it pertains to the European Union uh, Green Deal goals. Um, but what uh, the trains itself or the fuel cell solution, whether you build it in trains or buses or otherwise, alone cannot really enable you to meet the decarbonization goals. The fuel for um, to use in these hydrogen trains and other such uh, vehicles needs to come from somewhere. And this is where the Cummins um, uh, PEM technology that gets used in the electrolyzers really comes in handy. Um, and the electrolyzers, essentially what they do is they take water and electricity. And as long as the electricity that is being used is from a renewable source or a carbon-free source, what you generate uh, is what we call the green hydrogen. And this is the hydrogen then, uh, which then gets used in these hydrogen trains, buses, et cetera. Um, and Cummins has a whole portfolio of solutions so that we can ensure that we are prepared to address the demands of the market, whether it's on the transportation side or demand side of the hydrogen equation, or whether it's on the supply side with our electrolyzer portfolio, such that we have the right product offerings, which is very modular and scalable to produce the right amount of hydrogen um, that's needed for various operations. Um, a little uh, fun and a very important fact is um, Cummins offering is actually in play in um, the electrolyzer offering is in play in the world's largest electrolyzer plant as we sit here today. It's the, it's the one that is the 20 megawatt PEM electrolyzer system in Quebec, Canada that, um, that went into operation in January, 2021. Uh, this is the Air Liquide plant. This uses the Cummins electrolyzers. And we call this technology the highlyzer. Um, and it's very compact. It comes in skids. It's very modular. And you can stack them, scale them to build the plant up to the size we want. It, and that's, that's sort of our footprint in North America as it pertains to a landmark facility. Um, the other one actually that comes recently announced that's supposed to go in operation in 2023 is, um, is uh, an initiative we undertook with, our, uh, with one of um, the players in Spain. It's a renewable energy company. We are partnering with them, Iberdrola, to build a large electrolyzer plant in Spain. And what that electrolyzer plant will do is will really enable us not just to meet the hydrogen demand in Spain, but the entire European Union. And that facility is going to be humongous. And by 2023, it will be operational producing these electrolyzers so that they can be deployed to generate green hydrogen. As I mentioned before, I think it's very encouraging to see that uh, uh, companies like Cummins are offering 
engineering opportunities uh, around the world, and especially to, to young women who want to become engineers. That's quite impressive. We wish you the best in your, in your career. Thank you for joining appreciate us. appreciate Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we have an expression in the rail industry. I like to sign off all my podcasts with, have a safe day. I'm sure you've heard it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Have a safe day for sure. 